to giving up on trying to kill yourself for today. Yeah, I, I get you. It was a joke. Are we recording? Yeah, I, I just hit the button, yeah. Shit. Welcome to another exciting podcast, the Boomcast from RBX Studios in Baltimore, Maryland. Why do I feel like you're trying to do a Vince McMahon impression even though you don't know that you are? Sunday, I don't know. Well, I mean, it's the, the Sunday, Sunday, Sunday guy. He's trying to do shock jockey. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Ian. I'm Frank. And I'm Jew in the morning. <laughs> Jew in the morning. Peter in the evening. <laughs> Jew in the sheets. <laughs> okay, it's, it's just forget it. <laughs> With Hebrews on a bagel, you can eat Jews anytime. I don't know, whatever. It was bad. I was trying to do the shock jockey thing, and then we immediately yeah. went to bagel bites. Kawaii yeah. in the streets, senpai in the sheets. There you or go. Is it the opposite. Oh, it's, it's not when I'm involved. It's not. It's both simultaneously. <laughs> Kawaii in the sheets. Kawaii in the streets. <laughs> Kawaii all the time. When pizza's <laughs> Kawaii. When Kawaii is on a bagel, you can get desu anytime. <laughs> Uh, Yet another thrilling Robot Boombox introduction that makes no fucking sense. Yeah, um, now that my computer is fucking functioning. After two hours? Yeah, dude, that was terrible. Two we hours talk about? Do we want to talk about things today? I kind of completely forgot everything in the... Uh, that Then it'll be all fresh for you. Like You'll be like a newborn child witnessing this man eat 9,000 calories worth of McDonald's. Well, I see Chick-fil-A and Popeye's there as well. It's probably close enough. There's M's. We got M's. So what would prompt someone to eat 9,000 calories worth of fast food? GTA San Andreas is a video game where a man eats a shitload of food. That's what the game's about. Do you have the rundown of the food that the man eats throughout the game? Um, well, as we all know... Our friends CJ, Ryder, Big Smoke, and that... No, there's no fourth guy. <laughs> uh, they all roll up to the clucking bell. And uh, Big Smoke orders two number nines, a number nine large. I don't have the rest. Number 45. There's, number, number there's a number 45 somewhere in there. There's a chicken wrap? Yeah. I forgot what it was actually called. Ba- basically what they... Number 45. Maybe, they they converted it over... Or this dude converted it over. Well, actually... The internet converted over to two uh, chicken burgers, a double chicken burger, each with their own respective two large fry or two medium fries, uh, two medium drinks, two lo- and a large fry and a large drink, a chicken wrap, three more different chicken sandwiches with their own fries and drinks. It's a shitload of food. Six piece chicken wing. Sh- six piece chicken wing with extra dip. And like nineteen fucking cups of soda. Yeah. So there's a there's a video in our in our show notes that you guys should watch. Essentially, this guy references a menu from the website in the game for the restaurant. He references assets in the game to like like the the box that the person eats the sandwich out of to like figure out what the sandwich actually is. He goes into a lot of detail. The one thing I disagree with is there's two number nines, a number nine large, and he makes the assumption that the number nine large instead of being a filet burger, would be a double filet burger. And to me, that doesn't make sense, because like, when you go to McDonald's and get like a 10-piece chicken nuggets large, they don't double your chicken nuggets. They give you a large drink and large fries. They if don't they, give they, you like 20 chicken nuggets. If they doubled the nugs, I'd be there all day. Yeah, exactly, right? They're going to have like double nug Tuesdays. Double yeah, patty um, midnight I also madness. found that part really bothersome, because anybody that goes to McDonald's and orders a fucking value meal knows that they're going to rip you off when you get a large, you're just getting slightly more fries and a little bit more ice in your cup. And here, here's the thing, too. You say anyone who's gone to McDonald's, 
everyone's gone to McDonald's. You know what I mean? Like that should be a thing that anyone would pick up on. So it did bug me that he he calculated it that way. But other than that, like the science work that went into it, very impressive. Yeah, a lot of work for a joke that's probably gonna kill somebody. This well, is, it's no joke. My man gave himself an hour to eat all of this food. Some kind of professional eater guy. I could probably have done it in quicker time, but I also wouldn't YouTuber be here to Megatoad. About it. Megatoad is his name? Megatoad. Okay, wow. Well, Matt Stoney. Otherwise known as Ultra Frog. We've uh, said everything we have to say about yeah, this. Yeah, we've thing. exhausted everything. Megatoad. That's a lot of food, dude. Megatoad. It was a lot of food. It's a lot of food for a tiny dude. Megatoad. Speaking of eating food, people have to eat food. And in order to get food, you have to pay for it with money. And if you're caught up in lawsuits, you might not have wow, a lot you of just, money. Wow, you just lost so the right to great. complain about any transition that I ever make, henceforth. <laughs> I thought it was funny. That was something. I want to die. <laughs> you will if you eat 9,000 well, calories worth of You food. will if you try to rob a bank because you're too fat and you'll get shot. <laughs> no, the, the fat protects you from bullets. Are we fat shaming now? Is yeah, we're, we're fat shaming. Okay. Uh, so Payday 2, which was featured as a target of our rage in the past for their weird drill-based economy. I feel like we need to give, like, a breakdown of Payday 2, and I feel like I do this every single episode because I feel like it comes up at some point. But Payday 2 is a game that I enjoy. And Frank, I think you enjoy it too, or we did at one point. Yeah. I probably put close to 200 hours, nah, probably like 100, 200 hours into Payday 2. And when the game first released... It had a regular retail launch of launch price of thirty nine ninety nine, and then they released DLC for the game. A lot of the DLC was like weapon packs, and the weapons that you'd get were clearly superior to the current weapons in the game, and they caught a lot of flack for that. Um, but they continually updated the game, and so people, the community, which they have a pretty loud fan base, um, kind of gave them a pass for that because you were getting constant updates with new free characters, new free maps, along with some paid stuff. Um, Even th- if the David Xanatos was way, way too overpowered. Yeah, exactly. Um, but then um, the studio, not the studio, the publisher decided they needed more money and they implemented essentially gun drops, sort of the way that Team Fortress 2 and Counter-Strike Go and o- I don't know about Overwatch actually. Overwatch. Well, no, not actually not Overwatch. Yeah, yeah. definitely not Overwatch. Just uh, TF2 and, and CSGO. Everything in Overwatch is cosmetic. Yeah. So in, in those games, uh, if you're not familiar, um, you get crates that you can buy keys for like 250 to unlock the crate, and the crate gives you a weapon skin. Well, Payday 2 implemented weapons with skins, but the weapons with skins also had stat boosts, and some of the stat boosts were really useful for hitting certain damage breakpoints um, when you were playing at the higher difficulties. And so Overkill caught quite a bit of flack for that. And for me personally, I really criticized them because it seemed like they couldn't figure out how they wanted to monetize their game. Yeah, they were doing things. Uh, you can criticize TF2 for having gun drops, sure. But A, you can earn those in-game for the most part. B, TF2 is a free-to-play game and went free-to-play way before they started doing stuff like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Payday 2 was being treated like a free-to-play game when it was still $40 on Steam. Exactly. So now we're getting to the point where um, Overkill has bought full rights to the game from 505 Games, the publisher. Or Starbreeze? It was both of them. Okay, yeah, yeah. I I couldn't remember exactly. 
And now what they're doing is they're kind of getting rid of their current um, purchasing scheme. Instead of buying DLC, what they're going to be selling is the Ultimate Edition of Payday 2, which includes all DLC, asterisk except for one, and it's going to be 45 bucks. So essentially, they're just doing going back to like the retail release model. And on the one hand, I think that's great. On the other hand, I think that's really annoying because it feels like it's one last fuck you to the customers because anyone who is only missing like a couple DLC packs, they have to buy them right now or else in order to get them in the future, they'll literally have to buy the game for 45 bucks again. Oh, they're pulling down all the DLC? Yeah, too? you won't be able to buy the DLC anymore. Okay, that's kind of annoying. Yeah, right? What happens if you already paid for DLC previously and now from now on it's all going to be free? Um, the DLC won't be free. Like, the DLC that was paid for in the past, you won't... If you haven't bought it yet, you can buy it now. It's on, it's like, discounted up to 85%, I think. Um, if you don't buy it by a certain time, once the Ultimate Edition comes out, you won't be able to buy it. Anyone who has already purchased it can use it just like normal. Um, but essentially, if you're missing any DLC and you think you'll be wanting to play Payday 2 in the future, either buy it now or get ready to fork over another 45 bucks in the future. They're doing what Destiny did back in the day. I didn't follow Destiny, but if that's what Destiny did, that's, then yes. That's what Destiny Oh yeah, the did. Ultimate Edition thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, a lot of games release a Game of the Year edition, but the thing is, like... Well, what they did was that there was DLC that you can only get on that Ultimate Edition. Oh, okay. So you'd so have to buy the whole game over again? You literally would have bought the game, played it for a year, bought all the DLC. Mm-hmm. Now there's more DLC you want, you have to buy the Ultimate Edition, so you have to buy a game you already have that comes with DLC you already have to get a couple extra pieces of DLC yeah, that you could not get outside of that Ultimate Edition. Yeah, that's pretty terrible in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, this is slightly different, but it still sucks. Yeah, the nice part about this is you can still get the DLC that you want right now for a discount. So, like, if you think you'll be playing the game, I personally won't, I don't think, because Payday 2, although a fun game... It's not a very well-polished game, in my opinion. Yeah, it's not. It feels like a Source mod. It always felt like a Source mod. Although, ironically enough, I found out it doesn't run on the Source engine. No, it did at one point, though. I th- well, I think Payday the Heist ran on yeah, Source. Yeah, Payday the Heist was Source. This is this was like... The engine they used Unreal was, or something. The, it's like, I think it's the diesel engine. Um, it was originally used to make racing games. Okay, that why, are the car, why is the driving section so bad, then? That's about as good as most racing games that came out around that time. Um, so the one asterisk for DLC is there will be an additional DLC that they're going to be releasing. Originally, they advertised this as an April Fool's Day joke. For $4.20, you could buy a character pack, and the character pack would give you access to Ethan and Heidi, Ethan and Hilda. H3H3 and his wife. wife. Yeah, so Ethan and Hyla Klein, who are the, like, husband-wife duo behind H3H3 Productions. And um, all money from the sale of this DLC, this character pack, is going directly to H3H3 Productions. And it's to help uh, with some legal fees um, that they're having to pay due to a kerfuffle. Yeah, so H3H3, they made a video about this dude who was uh, made a video on picking up chicks with parkour. It was a reaction video. Um, some guy named Bold Guy on YouTube. Uh, the reaction video contained the entire clip, as a lot of them do, because you're just watching the clip and reacting. It's like riffing for dummies. But, uh, 
basically, there's now a lawsuit between bold or bold guys putting onto H3H3 to say, hey, using that clip wasn't fair use since you used the entirety of the clip. It basically made it so that I lost views on my video about attracting women with parkour because you made a reaction video to it. So the point of this DLC pack is to help them defray some of their legal costs. And while I think that uh, this dude might have a bit more of a point than your average crappy DMCA mm -hmm. or crappy this-isn't-fair-use takedown, um, on the whole, if this guy were to win, it would kind of set a bad precedent. Or at least a precedent that I'm not in favor of. The uh, using DMCAs just to push buttons president? Not even that, just saying, like, you, like, basically saying that there's no way to make a work transformative. Yeah. So, I kind of have mixed feelings on this, because remember when the Fine Bros stuff was going down? Yeah, they tried to copyright the entire concept of reaction videos. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. This is a topic that I don't really want to get into today. I think it's cool that uh, Starbreeze or Overkill, whoever they are now, is, like, Overbreeze helping these people out. Can we do Overbreeze or Starkill? Yeah, sure. Okay. Those are my Actually, favorite Transformers. <laughs> Shit, you're probably right. I mean, <laughs> Wait, this is transformative work now. Transformative <laughs> work. I like it. I like it. I think it's cool because essentially, what uh, Overkill, the reason Overkill is doing this, is because um, as an independent studio or whatever, they were really thankful for YouTubers and streamers who went out and actually like showed off their work. And so they wanted to help out H3H3 because they felt like they owed them um, for some of the essentially free advertisement that they got from uh, them playing their game. So I think that's kind of cool, like a company actually recognizing the importance of that role and uh, choosing to uh, show that financially. I think it's the right way to handle that. Yeah. Um, it feels really good to know because, you know, I like a game. I'm going to go out and pay for it. And I'm going to play it, I'm going to stream it, I'm going to give you free advertising. It's good to know that you, the maker of the game, also want to help me out and support me. Yeah. Make a community based around video games, you know? Yeah. yeah. It, I wonder, on the other hand, I feel like if anyone should get money from Overkill for promotional stuff, it'd be General McBadass, but whatever, I don't know. Well, if I feel like this piece. is less money for promotional stuff and more... Hey, I'm in a bind. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're helping him out because these yeah. are the people that help you out with your game. Mm -hmm. Without the people doing the videos and playing the fucking game, you're not making any money on that game. Yeah, General McBadass is probably like the most popular Payday 2 dude. What do we have to do to get ourselves put into Payday 2? Ourselves? Three of us. Um, well, actually, you can mod Payday 2, so you might be able to replace some files... You know, just replace Wolf dot character <laughs> with Jew dot character, and that's that's it. Can we make some really shitty character models and do this? Sure, why not? Uh, but it's interesting. Like, I know that you didn't want to get into the specifics of whether or not someone has control over their video like that, but we're totally gonna anyway. Okay. So we might as well talk about that aspect of it because it ties into the next news item. Yeah, sure. So. I don't know if reaction videos are transformative or not. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's something that's hard to define. Like, you have to define what transformative means. I think that they could pass. Because I look at, you know, transformative media as being... I'm not just literally copy-pasting your thing. I'm doing something else with it. Mm -hmm. I, I guess... Go ahead. 
I would say that, you know, the thing, too, is that reaction videos are the cheapest way to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Like, any old fuck can make a fucking reaction video, and they don't even have to be clever. Right, exactly. So, like, but, the question becomes, what if you have a reaction video where it's literally someone just, like, it's an over-the-shoulder camera view of someone else's video, and the person watching it isn't reacting? Well, Is that transformative? Here's, here's the... Or... Mystery Science Theater 3000 has to license their movies or use public domain ones. Mm -hmm. Like, but that's basically the same thing. They're reacting along to the whole movie. Mm -hmm. And apparently this guy's entire clip was used. Yeah. Did this guy have some kind of a copyright on the clip? Well, yeah, he uploaded it to YouTube. You get default burn convention copyright. Okay. I guess it would be on a case-by-case -case basis there, because I really don't think that a video about picking up chicks using your sick parkour moves is a thing that even matters. But yeah. I'd like to see where this guy was making money and at, you know, that kind of shit on this video to see why he's complaining. Oh, I guarantee you it comes down to the fact that H3H is, H3H3's video got more views than his because H3H3 is a big YouTuber. I yeah. wonder if it came down to the fact that they were making fun of him. Yeah, maybe. Probably. We and can then, check the complaint, but yeah, I mean, that, it just mentions uh, they're purporting to discuss the work and what they believe is a humorous matter, but in fact reproduces virtually all of the work as nothing more than a prop. It's kind of like um, the thing with Nintendo back in the day with the Tengen thing, where they were basically making rules that were not legal and just releasing them because there were no guidelines for things like that at the time. I would think that this is a thing that obviously needs guidelines. Whether we agree or disagree with them, they don't exist. We need guidelines. And then things like this will not be a problem after that. Are you talking about... Um, if we just had some judge say whether you could or could not do this... Oh, okay. Then good. Now we know. The in problem a, is that we don't white know. Sense. Yeah, because like right now we literally don't know what we can and cannot do on some of these gotcha. things. Gotcha, okay. H3H3, like, the both of them are alleging that it's all because the guy's getting made fun of, but... I feel like that's probably what it is, but I don't know enough. Yeah, their video's down, so we can't even watch it, but, uh... Can we watch the original video? I don't know. Let's look. Do we really want to watch this fucking dude? Do no, I don't want to no, just for the podcast. Okay, good. Okay. <laughs> it, it's... Fair use is indeed a gray area. Mm -hmm. And there's actually a court case uh, that might get heard by the Supreme Court right now that might help de-ambiguate some of that kind of thing. Um, I don't know how many of you are familiar with the Dancing Baby YouTube case. It's a clip of a baby dancing to the world's most inaudible Prince song in the background. It got DMCA'd off of YouTube back uh, a while back uh, because Prince's lawyers, while he was still alive, were crazy about removing every last shred of his stuff off of YouTube because Prince was crazy about making sure that his uh, music wasn't digitally available for some ideological reasons. Mm -hmm. This uh, is the fuckhead that decided that he would never put any of his songs into Rock Band or Guitar Hero because people need to learn real instruments. Yes. Guess Prince? what you can get in Rock Band 3. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. well, mm -hmm. Prince is dead. <laughs> yeah, and people can make money off of his music now, so... <laughs> yeah, the entirety of the Prince dis discography is on Google Music. Mm-hmm. Uh -huh. As it turns out, your wishes aren't respected after you're dead. Like, people will do whatever they want. Well, I think he had debts to pay. <laughs> Makes sense. Also, he's dead. Who cares? But, um... 
So yeah, that it got DMCA'd wrongly, and then they said, hey, this is fair use. It got put back onto the YouTubes, but then these people were able to sue, and it went to court, and then it went to the appeals court, and then it went to another appeals court, and it kept going up the chain until it is in front of the Supreme Court, whether or not to hear it. Essentially, the people who uploaded this video said that Universal Music's DMCA was filed frivolously. Yes. And if the Supreme Court takes this case and they rule in favor of the people, there will be precedent set that people, companies that initiate DMCAs, have to do so in a... Good faith sense. Yeah, essentially, um, in a in a reasonable way. Like they can't do it. They, they can't just issue DMCA's frivolous frivolously. They have to have legitimate reason as to why. This um, isn't content ID. Content ID on YouTube is an algorithm recognizing the piece of media and blocking it. Mm-hmm. But what this would mean is that if a content ID claim was recognized, instead of uh, de- like, well, the video could still be demonetized because mm-hmm. that's a YouTube function that's not like a legal function. But a company that wanted to put a DMCA claim on that content couldn't do so with an automatic process. They would have to have a human go in and review it. They could do it with an automatic process, but they could get taken to court and lose. Oh, yeah, they could get the pres- shit suit out of them. Yeah, if, if, if th- this case could set that precedent for something like that to happen. If this does set precedent, or precedent, I'm sorry... I cannot fucking wait until we have legal proceedings for things in the future that reference the Dancing Baby YouTube case. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be on the next episode of More Perfect. You'll see it here in Dancing Baby versus YouTube. No, it'd be Dancing Baby versus Prince. (laughs) Even better. It's 29 second YouTube clip. Uh, Justice Department is arguing that it shouldn't be heard because the Justice Department right now is a bunch of cons. Yeah. Uh, Honestly, that's... Probably just because it would spell a lot of interesting things for copyright holders that yeah they don't even want to fucking think about. They it. probably don't want to. They would just like it if the rules benefit them. Oh know. duh! Like, Precisely. Look at the entirety of what the RIA has done throughout history. I guess now we know what it sounds like when doves cry. <laughs> I pray the next piece of news is a little more enticing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I thought Prey had something to do with birds. I think the original one did. <laughs> the original Prey was a fucking mess. Native Americans and warp gates and completely different game concept that repeatedly got repurposed and delayed for like a fucking decade. That was Wait, a George Broussard joint, right? I believe so. It had some kind of weird id software shit going on. Ironically enough, we just streamed id software shit the other last week, but um... Yeah, the original Prey was a fucking mess. And then when it finally came out on the 360... It was a game that nobody cared about, and then quickly ended up on the shelf next to Five Dollar Turok reboot. Interesting. I didn't know there was an original Prey. Like, oh it yeah, oh really, yeah, dude. It sounded really familiar with me, and that's why when I saw like articles saying Prey releasing in May, I was like, "Huh, I thought this game was already out." Or like, I feel like I've heard about this game before. Well, um, Bethesda, do you guys that own it now? Mm-hmm. New Doom, New Wolfenstein, New Quake. This is just one of the IPs. New Prey, which is System Shock Three. I don't know, it looked fucking sick in the trailers they showed us last year at E3, and then I completely forgot the game existed. Yeah, apparently it's really good, but we're having trouble learning that because Bethesda's review policy is hurting them. 
kind of, because, like, they, they have stated, or at least the people making the game, because i got to remember Bethesda Corporate and the people who actually are making it are kind of two different things. People, kind of. Kind, kind of. of. It's like having a really shitty conjoined twin. <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's like having a boss. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um... But anyway, the people say, who made the game say that the game needs to be experienced, it shouldn't be played all in one go, it shouldn't be rushed through, but Bethesda sends out review copies of their game about two days before it hits the street. So it's kind of like the Persona fiasco combined with the Injustice 2 week, uh, early release problem. Okay, so let's, let's break it down here, because we're going to go deep, deep, deep down this conversation path. We're going to go balls deep. We're going to go, you know, like in conversation trees and video games where you click on options, we're going to click on a lot of options. Frank, <laughs> what, is your, what, what is your issue with them sending out review copies with only a couple of days for people to play the it's game? It's actually less than 24 hours. Okay, with less than 24 hours to play the game. My major issue is that in, in the addition to this practice of sending out copies for review less than 24 hours mm -hmm. before the game is out, they have no problem sending out copies to their streaming partners and other people who provide favorable coverage of the game early. So they obviously have shippable code that they could send out to people. They're just afraid of objective review essentially and okay. i feel like it has a chilling effect on publishers sending out their games early it reminds me of ghostbusters the the, the recent one with the farts and the garbage bag that gets thrown into the wall repeatedly yeah where it, it, it almost makes you feel like they didn't have faith in their products to actually go through the review cycle they did the same thing with doom and doom was amazing maybe they're just scared because I, I mean doom's probably my favorite fucking game that came out last year I feel like one of the things that spurned this new policy is actually Jeff Gerstmann. Gerstmann Gate? So? No, not, not Gerstmann Gate. Okay. Uh, when Fallout 4 came out, uh, Jeff raked the Xbone and PS4 version over the coals for having frame rate issues and crashing and being a Bethesda game that came out recently. Yeah, very, very real problems. Yeah, real occurred. problems. And he, he gave it, like, he I think he gave that a 2 out of 5 and then the PC version a 3 out of 5, citing similar issues, but the PC running more stably on the whole. And the internet just went fucking nuts. Rooster Teeth laid into him. Yeah, when they were wearing the Pip-Boys. Yeah, when they were wearing the branded Pip-Boys, they would probably count as streaming partners in this instance and not reviewers. So just to double-check, your problem with Bethesda uh, giving the game to reviewers less than 24 hours before it comes out is it creates a chilling effect? I think the idea is that um, you're not going to be able to actually come up with a good opinion of this game in 24 hours. Mm-hmm. So by either your review comes out after people have already bought it, and who cares, or your review is not honest enough when it goes out. Yeah, it, it does diminish the quality of the review somewhat when the people who made the game say it needs to be experienced in X length of time. And obviously games don't need to be experienced how the person wants them to, necessarily. But I feel like my major problem with it is it's just Bethesda trying to stack the coverage deck in their favor because they have other outlets who s might seem reviewer-y because even though you're supposed to disclose sponsored content, a lot of people still have trouble with that gray area. Mm -hmm. uh, you have outlets that seem reviewer-y covering the game before release saying nothing but good things because they got their early copy, whereas actual objective review sites have to wait until 24 hours before street date. Gotcha. Yeah, see, things like this have never been a problem for me because I never buy new games on release date anyway unless I know exactly what I'm getting. Like, I'll buy Pokemon games on release because it's a formula that Nintendo ne or Game Freak never differentiates from, so I feel safe in making those purchases. For me, I would wait 
well, I wouldn't because I don't read reviews either. But like, if I saw like like let's say I have a reviewer that I really like their reviews, I like their opinions, and they're gonna take their time to do the review. It's not gonna be out before the game releases. It might be out the week of or the week after. But I would literally wait for their review before I bought the game, or I would literally probably wait until a year or two. Yeah, I'd never buy new games anyway. Well, yeah, and that's fine if consumer. you. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was gonna say that's fine if you um if if you're a guy who has a reviewer that they like, mm-hmm. but if you're just someone who's checking Metacritic, which is basically Rotten Tomatoes for video games, mm-hmm. you see Prey has an artificially lowered score in this case because the thrust of this article is saying that by forcing the game to be played in a subpar fashion, the experience isn't going to be as good, so they're going to end up hamstringing their own review scores. Interesting. So do you uh, think so? Like I want done. Mm-hmm. If you're a dude who just checks Metacritic, um. When a game gets released, you might have a an unfavorable view of this game that causes uh, you to not buy it. So Bethesda's hurting themselves. Or if it's a game where there's just been, been nothing but glowing false coverage, you might ignore the Metacritic score because you heard all all these glowing like all this glowing false coverage and go out and get the game anyway. It's kind of a double edged sword. So you're saying it's both at the same time. It could be pot like it. Either way, it could be either. Your your view of the game is skewed in some way that either hurts the consumer or hurts Bethesda. I think a lot of this is due to the fact that we are all like programmed now, like early adopter edition, pre order it, get it day one. Oh yeah, there's a lot of that. Was there get it before you know there's a problem with it? You know. Yeah. Was there any like day one stuff for Prey? Or I can't like any of Bethesda's games recently i can't think of anything for doom like doom didn't have any special editions or even in any dlc did it i don't believe so i don't believe there were any pre-order bonuses now bethesda themselves may not be doing that but that's how the industry wires us yeah so we're already wired to do that and then bethesda being like you're not getting a review copy until right before the game comes out yeah by then we already plunked down our fucking money we're already standing out on fucking midnight at gamestop waiting to get it yeah we being the average average consumer. consumer, not us in this. No, room. not us. Okay. I'm. I have no intentions on buying. Dude, I haven't bought a, a new. I, outside of fighting games, which I'm about to stop doing, I haven't bought a new game at launch since Star Fox Zero, which I only bought for the site and immediately sold for more than I bought it. Yeah. The point I was making is, I feel like the smart thing to do is like what you said: is let it cook for a while. Yeah, definitely. Don't be in such a hurry to be the first one to get the shit out and recorded and streamed and. Yeah. I think there's something else to be said about instead of trying to be the first, getting it and forming a well thought out opinion. Yeah. And feeling good about your purchase. Uh, one of the, I guess there is okay. So there are a few games that I have bought on launch, and one of the reasons I will buy games on launch is if I'm trying to play the game before it gets out into the public too much. Because a lot of times I want to avoid the game being spoiled for me before I get a chance to play through it. So I think that that's another instance where I'll, where I'll buy a game on launch. Like I bought Skyrim immediately because I wanted to like check out everything. Because okay, games like Skyrim and other, the other Elder Scrolls games are all games about exploration, and to me, there's something fun about exploring a place that you don't have any prior knowledge of it. And I'd hate to see like all the places you can see in the game before I actually get to experience them myself. So that's one of the reasons I'll buy games early or uh, on release date and Skyrim is one of those games where I'd played Oblivion and I kind of knew what I was getting myself into so you trusted them yeah because I've I've, (laughs) and I shouldn't have because Skyrim is pretty terrible without mods in my opinion 
compared to Morrowind and Oblivion. But <laughs> M-M-O. I-M-H-O. I-M-H-O. Oh, yeah. Well, it's like you were saying, like, with Pokemon. It's like, it's a formula you're familiar yep. with. You know what you're getting into. Mm-hmm. You want to experience what's different, but you know you're still going to get something you enjoy. Yeah. I think I bought Forza 5. Um, I pre-ordered Forza 5 as well. Like, that was another game I bought on launch because I played Forza 3 and I had the demo Forza 4. Like, I feel like with games where you know what you're getting, like... It's safe. It's safer. <laughs> Nothing's yeah. ever safe. You don't right? 100% know what you're getting, though. Exactly. I mean, Star Wars Battlefront. Yeah. Yeah, Star Fox Zero. But, like, but, Prey is a fucking game that... We knew nothing much about. Exactly, yeah. All we knew is, oh, hey, it's like a reboot of that shit game that had all those problems back in the day. Mm-hmm. They literally had to redo the entire, the previous one, because they talked all this shit about it being about warp gates and teleporting and alternate realities, and they couldn't figure out how to program that. Yeah. Prey was almost as bad of a fiasco as Duke Nukem Forever. <laughs> almost. I mean, that- Give it another year, it probably would have lapsed Duke Nukem Forever, to be honest. So yeah. I guess what we're saying is sleep on it? I would sleep on it. Uh, well, what I'm saying is... Send me a free review copy and then I'll tell you. Send me a free you. review copy. Now, like, there are instances where I'm, like, reading Kotaku. Well, not Kotaku, because Bethesda blacklists them, which is another practice that Bethesda has, because they felt their games were being reviewed unfairly. So they don't get review copies until street date or until the guy at the GameStop says, hey, buddy, the new copies of Prey came in. Here's yours. But when I'm reading coverage about video games, a review and, you know, positive, a, a review and a preview that happens to be sponsored by the company mm-hmm. can share kind of the same editorial context if it's a game that I'm not aware of. Like, uh, well, obviously I can't really name games I'm not aware of, but say I didn't know about what ukulele was. Mm-hmm. Uh, an honest review of that game about a couple weeks before it came out would I like help me sway me either way whether or not I wanted to buy it and inform me that it exists, whereas positive coverage would inform me that it exists and either it would be obvious enough that it was sponsored to where I could disregard it or it would trick me into buying a game that I might not necessarily like. Can you say that about all PR and marketing? Yes. Yeah. Uh, that's what I'm saying. I don't want PR. I want, like, the review. Yeah. But companies are going to do marketing no matter what. It's just um, they're trying to hamstring the review process, or Bethesda is trying to hamstring the review process as part of its marketing, I suppose. Yeah, essentially they're trying to control the narrative around their game before launch Yeah. in a way that I don't enjoy. I don't yeah. really go for scores. Because of this type of thing, the Metacritic problem. Yeah. But yeah, that was... What I what I would usually do is I will find the best review, the most glowing review for something I could find, and the absolute fucking lowest, worst review I can find. Yeah. See if they're talking about the same shit in different light, mm-hmm. and then go from there if I have to do a little more research. Yeah. I like Giant Bomb Quick Looks, because, like, they typically get the game decently early. And then they just earnestly play it. Yeah, they just earnestly, yeah. like, here's the first... 40 minutes or whatever, or like, what? we're going to play it to a point where you can see what it is without getting too hard into spoiler town, and we're going to say, we're going to give our honest opinions as we're playing it, and then at the end, unless it's something that is obviously really good, or in the more hilarious scenarios, something obviously really terrible, we're not going to say whether or not you should buy it, we're just going to be like, that's the game, and then we'll mention, like, they'll mention if they have a review coming out later in the week for it. Yeah. I like that, um... But yeah, 
Bethesda. Not great. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't agree necessarily with the practice, but I personally don't have a problem with it because I'm not a day one. I think we just need to concentrate more on making an informed opinion of the game. Yeah. Not based on Metacritic scores, not based on early access fucking streams and shit like that. Just watch the gameplay. You don't need to listen to the nerd telling you what he thinks of the game. Watch it. Watch them play it. Try to put yourself in their shoes and see if you would enjoy playing that little bit. Yeah. 20, 30 minutes is usually all you need to decide, is this a game that I want to fuck with? What's the return policy on Steam? How much time do you have to play the game? Two weeks as long as you play it under two hours, I think. There you go. You take advantage of the circle of life. (laughs) You wait for all these dudes to go out and buy the fucking game day one. Mm -hmm. Immediately trade it in. Yeah. Then you go with your GameStop Game Informer trash big trash bag card. Yeah. You buy the game for five dollars cheaper than it would be brand new. Then you get your little ten percent, fifteen percent discount. Then you can keep a used game from GameStop for up to two weeks, and then return it for money. Or the Amazon route. Yeah, that works too. That that's which is a- buy it for twenty percent off because you're a smart person who has Prime. Mm-hmm. And or it or, and sell it. or uh, Best Buy, whatever the hell their Gamers Club Unlock thing is called, you also get a really good discount with them. And then flip it. Like if you don't sell it, flip it within the week it came out for ten dollars off the price it is new, and you'll probably break even or make a little money. But yeah, I don't know. I like, and I I will advocate for waiting on your game purchases like a month or so to like get the reviews to shake out, get the actual public opinion to shake out because. There's a reason why they give you so many carrots to buy games before they're out. And it's because they want your money and they don't want you to be able to make the decision not to buy the game. Yeah. It's also really interesting how companies use pre-order data to decide what games they're actually going to make. Like, one of the reasons we don't have a lot of Kunio-kun, a.k.a. River City Ransom games in the United States, is because no one ever pre-orders those games. And evidently, Atlas, Natsum. Who makes those? Uh, Taito. Taito. Taito evidently said that the reason we're not getting some of the River City Ransom games is because, like, no one ever pre-orders them and we don't know what the demand for the games is going to be, so we're, we feel uncomfortable taking a risk of localizing a game if we don't know, like, if people are going to be buying it. So, I mean, there's two sides to it, but I'm always of the position where you have to do what makes sense from your point of view. Like, unless you really love that studio or that developer or that publisher and you just want to show your support for them and pre-order a game before knowing what it's about, like, there's no rush. Just play, buy and play games on your own time. I yeah. feel like a lot of us now are not consuming these games as an enjoyable gameplay experience, but a lot of the people that do buy and play games are consuming them as streamers and YouTubers. Mm-hmm. So they are in a hurry to be the first to the door with that game. Oh, interesting. I think that's what they're leaning towards more. And that could be why Bethesda's given out free copies to uh-huh. their sponsors. I think that's kind of interesting. It actually ties back into what we do. Um, we, we tried, like with Pokin and the Switch and a lot of Nintendo bullshit, unfortunately. But we tried that whole buy it when it comes out, immediately pop a video out and resell it route. Mm-hmm. Didn't really work for us. Yeah. We tend to concentrate more on older games now and be a little more informative about old games that we like to bring them to light. Kind of like what we did with the stream, although those were new games based on old games, yeah, things like yeah. that. I think that um, 
Like I keep saying, we need to spend time and decide if we like the game instead of running out just to grab it and be first. Yeah, I think rushing to be first to market with a review is a surefire way to release a poor review. You know what I mean? The like, you shouldn't rush things like that. Yeah, I, I think that's their point. Yeah, is that Bethesda's basically in this case rushing, for, forcing rushed reviews or forcing the. Uh, publisher to w- delay coverage yeah. of the game until the review's done, neither of which is great for Prey. Yeah. Well, like you said, you go by reviews that you trust. When you yeah, read them. hypothetically I would. The Literally the closest thing I watch to reviews are Zero Punctuations videos, and those are satirical reviews. So Satirical, but yeah, he has a he, point. He hates everything. So. Yeah. But he always has a point. Yeah. I do appreciate him. Uh, I like his stuff, too. I, but basically um, what I'll do is I will... Not watch any of his shit for like months on end, and then, then binge. binge a shitload. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and then you go out and buy a trillion games. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't but, buy. Yeah. I don't buy the, video the, games. The question I have when we're talking about these quick review scores and all mm-hmm. that is: is it more important for these people to hurry up and get their fucking shit out the door first, or to build trust? I would that say it totally depends on the outlet. That is I think Kotaku is concerned with being the first click guys garbage dump. Giant Bomb don't give no fucks. Here, here's the thing. Like, I think that from a business perspective, you have to be the first out the door. You know what I mean? Because quality, it's it's definitely a game of quantity over quality when it comes to businesses like McDonald's cheeseburgers. You know, they sell a lot of cheeseburgers. But they're not the best. Exactly. Like, companies that put out a ton of reviews that are crap, like, they still have a lot of customers. Yeah. Um in-depth reviews people people don't want to consume in-depth reviews they want snippets they want audio bites yeah the, the yeah. smartphone generation we don't have time to read your they, thoughts they want the that metacritic score yeah mm-hmm. exactly and exactly. i i think like i keep mentioning giant bomb but the only reason their example works is because they have a secured funding from somewhere else it's basically the patreon model they were doing it before patreon was a thing right giant bomb premiums five dollars a month you support their shit yeah i'm i, I do th- that. i think that's the smart way to go <laughs> and if i think you that, can yeah like, you trust Giant Bomb. That's why you will give them $5 a month. Yeah, and I, I like the personalities behind their content. Yeah. And they do way more stuff outside of reviews, too. You know they're not going to steer you wrong. Yeah. I wouldn't give Kotaku $5 a month. <laughs> I wouldn't give Kotaku a bucket of water if they were on fire. That's why Kotaku is all based around ad revenue. Right. So, yeah, they need to speed up and get the shit out the door to get the cheap ad money. But that's kind of grimy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a business model, you know what I mean? Like, I think that it's important to realize that journalism is a business, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's they're, fucking weird, right? Yeah, like, they're, when you're not paying for what you're reading, you are the product, like, you are the way they're making money, so their only objective is to get eyeballs on their uh, pages. Eyeballs on their content walls. That's why you get mm-hmm. those fucking articles that are 25 pages in a row. Yeah, and you have to click each one. Yeah. yeah. Although it was interesting, uh, all the Gawker stuff implemented infinite scrolling on their comment sections. People bitched about it for like a solid month, and they actually got rid of it. <laughs> Ridiculous. But you know, I guess, I guess that's uh, that's the ratio of people willing to accept it versus people willing to reject it. I guess the the culminating point in all this is uh, Bethesda. And the publishers are doing what's in their best interest. The review outlets are doing what's in their best interest. You need to do what's in your best interest and wait a month to buy those video games. And, you know, you can just watch Netflix. 
Or wait, what was it? Fucking like 36 months. Wait 36 months. months. <laughs> so the Cannes Film Festival happened a bit ago, uh, which, for those not in the know, is a festival that happens in Cannes in France, and it's a bunch of snooty, snooty art house guys gathered to show their snooty, snooty art house films. Uh, I just want to watch Thor blow shit up in the Avengers goddamn... <laughs> No, you don't. You said you hated that trailer. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Wait, what trailer did you hate? The, the new Thor one? Red I didn't say I hated the, the Thor one. Too? I was like, eh. I, wa- oh, I was the, confused. The trailer made me want to see the movie, kind of, but not for the right, not for reasons. The right reasons. I liked yeah. the stupid 80s retro pals aesthetic. I, I liked, yeah, and like the text and stuff. That I, comes I don't know why point, the fuck that was Thor, but yeah, sure. At this point in my life, I am giving big ups to any trailer that just uses a fucking song and not a slowed down emo remake of that song. So yeah. the fact that they had Immigrant Song going. Yeah. Haven't they had Immigrant Song in Thor movies in the past? No. No? Okay. They had it in... School of Rock. <laughs> Yeah, and they had it in another movie recently. Anyway, I'm fed up with classic rock, and fucking Suicide Squad just did it in for me. Suicide Squad was a lot of things. Oscar-winning movie Suicide Squad. (laughs) Oscar-winning movie Suicide Squad. Best performance, Slipknot, the man who can climb anything. Well, you know... Slipknot's not a character from that movie. Yeah, he was. Yeah, Slipknot, the man whose head can explode instantly. (laughs) He had a very small but important role. (laughs) So, if Can gets their way, Suicide Squad would be viable at, at Can, but not any future Netflix entries. Uh, Netflix put forth two films into the festival, but since Netflix or since France has a law that says that movies that have a theatrical release can't be shown on stream, streaming services until three years after they premiere, um, Netflix didn't enter their two films into France's theaters. Because then they would have to wait 36 months to show them uh, on Netflix, which obviously they don't want to do because they are Netflix. So now the uh, board of the Cannes Film Festival is saying that for a movie to be entered, they have to. It has to be first shown in French theaters. Mm-hmm. So I have. I understand why at a French film festival you would want movies at the festival to be movies that you could see in a theater in France. Like that makes sense to me. It would be like going to a, uh, a fighting game tournament and then just watching and then bringing smash bros and then watching. (laughs) Hey, Hey, I don't want to go off on a tie right here, but when we went to Charles's house for that fucking fighting layer tournament, he pulled out Shrek Kung Fu Panda smash brother game. And it was lit. I'm sure it was. It was lit. Who was the the alligator character was really strong. Um, It'd be like going to a fighting game tournament and then watching a stream of people in a different place fighting. You know what I mean? Because there's no there's nothing tying it to that location. It it would be like the Martian winning an Oscar for best comedy. (sighs) You know, sometimes you just hit the heart, Frank. (laughs) Sometimes you just make me wonder why I still do this. I get, I get what they're going for here. It makes sense to me. France really cares about their movie industry, and that's the part that I find interesting about it. Like they apparently heavily tax their blockbusters and blockbuster films that get released there, like the Avengers and shit, mm-hmm. to fund the more art house cinema type stuff. And the reason why they have that streaming rule is because they want to keep their theater industry alive, yeah, and their pursuit of pure art movies alive. 
for art's sake, which I can support because I do a lot of bitching about how movies are too much of a business nowadays on this thing. And Frank, by the way, before I forget, it was not the Martian winning best comedy. It was Martian winning best comedy or musical. Oh, yeah, I forgot. The award was best comedy or musical. <laughs> and it yes, won that? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I think it was the Emmys and not the Oscars. But... It, it was like the fucking ultimate participation trophy for Redley Scott, you son no, of a bitch. No, it had to be the Oscars. The Emmys is TV. And anyway, apparently, like, what will happen is in the best comedy or musical category and some other categories at the Oscars, if, they ha- if the Academy has a movie that they think is more deserving... But but they want to give it to like they want to give it an award, but they can't give it the award that it should be entered in. They will just bastardize one of the other categories. Interesting. Which I didn't know is a thing which that happened. Just completely throws like it o- all out the window. Yeah, I feel like the Oscars and the Grammys are just a big shit show. Like, yeah, basically, it's a bunch of people in the industry patting themselves on the back. Oh, didn't Macklemore win over Kendrick Lamar at the Grammys one year? I think so. Yeah, fuck that. <laughs> I definitely agree with what France is doing, though, because, like, you, you keep, you're saying you're bitching about Hollywood being a business now and all that. I think there is something to be said about a movie that is more intelligent than stuffing popcorn in your face and looking at Transformers rolling around on the ground. Yeah. Now, there is a place for both of them, I do feel. And I don't see anything inherently wrong with taxing a Michael Bay movie to fund another movie. This will we get our balance. It's not just a big bullshit movie strangling all the other shit. For me, it's crazy that this is happening on the government level. You know oh, what I mean? Oh, yeah, well, it's, um... Here, think about it this way. This is actually, um... We could take Star Wars. They film a lot in New Zealand. That was great fucking business for New Zealand. Oh, yeah. That was jobs. That was tourism. You know, there's a lot of that shit going on. So what a lot of these people will actually do is they will give people tax breaks to go film your movie in their country. Special effects industry, man. Yeah, which is actually kind of strange. They're kind of doing the opposite here, I believe. I mean, I don't have the specifics, but... Um, when a big movie is filmed in your area, it is great all around for your economy. Yeah. They filmed scenes from Transformers, one of them, up in Phoenix, actually, up on the 303. Uh, one of my co-workers lives up there, and he went out there and tried to spy on them while they were filming. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Hey, Chad. <laughs> Yeah, I, I like the idea. I know that France, um, France, like, I've been, I, I actually ended up not related to this. I ended up on a tangent of reading about the various French revolutions that have happened. Okay. And throughout all of them, aside from Vichy, which was the Nazis coming in, they kept uh, a string of, even though we're burning down everything, we're keeping the Louvre fine because we respect our arts. Mm-hmm. Like, they're... they're their culture is pretty like they their culture values the artistic output well, of their own people a lot. The French have that reputation for a reason. Like a lot of people, like a lot of nationalities have reputations based off of you know things that are true. Like French love their wine, they love their champagne, they love their art, yeah, and their baguettes and croque monsieurs. I think my favorite comment on this article is an actual French person almost speaking English and saying, like, keep your popcorns at your big budget movie theater. We come to watch the movie and not listen to your crunch on your diabetes candy. I'm sure that person wasn't actually French. (laughs) So what's I guess I can get behind this because if it was a law that was passed by the government or a taxation that was levied by the government by democratically elected officials. It's like, cool, you're representing the people. And 
I think I can get behind that for that reason. Yeah, I, well, that doesn't really cover the what the uh, National Federation of French Cinemas is making the rule for the anti-streaming things. Yeah, I was talking about the taxation of blockbusters to fund art movies. The, um, well, that's why Blockbuster went out of <laughs> I was waiting. I couldn't figure out a good way to work it in, and I knew one of you guys would have my back. Um, the thing Crazy. about Netflix, you'll notice, too, is that a lot of schlock gets on Netflix now. A lot of just fucking bullshit. Oh, yeah, Netflix like just... fucking Wormwood, Day of the Dead, why did that even need to exist movies? Bill Nye Saves the World. Yeah, I mean, we could, we could talk about that. Let's but, not. <laughs> um... It's very easy to just throw some bullshit you made for cheap on Netflix and basically lower the bar for everybody. I'd argue that Netflix is the new straight-to-DVD. Yes. Yeah. They have Ratatouille on Netflix, I think. Really? I think so. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. I know what we're doing later. (laughs) So I don't really see anything inherently wrong with this Netflix rule that they made. It, it, it does make sense. It just, you know, if you want to be in the Cannes Film Festival, you have to bring a certain caliber of film. Yeah, I think the main holdup is, like, if you want to be in the Cannes Film Festival, can. Yeah, why are we calling it the Cannes Film Festival? <laughs> if you want to be in the Cannes Film Festival, you have to release your movie in... In France. French, in, in France. In France's theaters. And that means you can't put it on streaming services for 36 months. And I could understand why content creators would be like... Hey, that's a pretty whack thing for me to have to do. Like, that's a pretty whack restriction. I want to put, I want to sign deals with these streaming services. I want them to pay me for the work that I made. And three years is a long time to go without any funding for my project. I think they've basically just ensured that either French cinema or cinema reaching a level of, I was going to say a level of hoity-toityness, but cinema that wants to appear on French theaters mm-hmm. and disregard the, like, you know, regardless of the 36-month rule, yeah, that's what can be entered in can. Is they're holding the, um, the, uh, the possible winning of an award, they're holding that over your head is what they're basically doing. Exactly. You've got to get your movie into their cinemas so that it helps their economy. And then you get and your prestigious award. So it's a matter of is do you want this prestigious award or are you worried about your quick Netflix payday? Yeah. And it, it makes sense. It's not like they said 24 hours before the movie came out, that's when you get to watch it or something, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although that totally happens in the movie industry. <laughs> they, they, they are movies that they just don't fucking screen. I do have a hell of a segue if we're ready. Go for it. <laughs> a movie that you will not see in French cinema. <laughs> Courtesy of Screen toilet.com yeah of, of a website name that is after my own heart <laughs> i love um, that logo rampage starring dwayne the rock johnson is dwayne gonna be playing one of the rampage monsters no, no we were all we scared all wanted of him to play george okay this has been going on for like a year or two years now where they were like hey we got a rampage we got the right to make a rampage movie we have no fucking script mm-hmm. we don't know when it's coming out we don't know what we're doing but the rock is attached <laughs> so everybody's like is he gonna be a fucking giant wolf gorilla thing like what the fuck does the rock have to do with this movie lizzie was that one of the names of yes the lizzie, was lizzie lizard, george yes. and dwayne the rock johnson <laughs> <laughs> fuck it right i can't remember the, the, the wolf uh ralph ralph thank you my first experience with Rampage was on the NES, and Ralph was not in there. Ah. So I didn't know he existed until World Tour. But uh, the big news here, we all knew this movie was coming, is that now we have a fucking plot. Okay. 
Primologist, primatologist, primatologist, David Okoye, Dwayne Johnson. A man who keeps people at a distance. I can't fucking see. Shares an unshakable bond with George, the extraordinarily intelligent silverback gorilla who has been in his care since birth. It's like Amy from Congo. (laughs) Amy, want, smash, building. So, So Dwayne Johnson plays a scientist who is best buds with George. Uh-huh. And then... Have you seen the movie Any Which Way But Loose? Yeah. <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> it's just fucking, um... Dirty Harry fucking driving around in a fucking pink Cadillac with a, with a fucking... What is it? A chimpanzee? It's a chimpanzee. Smoking cigarettes and beating the shit out of people. <laughs> That's my life. That's what I want my life to be. So a man who can't connect with humans mm. can connect with the loving ape. And when that ape becomes a giant genetic experiment gone horribly awry, this gentle gorilla, this gentle building-punching gorilla, can only be stopped by the people's champ. I see. It's going to be fucking terrible. I really hope John Cena turns into the wolf. John Cena's probably in this movie, but you can't see him. Yeah. When I first saw this... The question I asked myself... Was, why? Is this real? Was, no, I mean, I could see it. But why? I mean, to me, the Rampage name doesn't carry the weight of something that you would want to reboot. Like, Power Rangers I can understand, because, like, it's Power Rangers. But Rampage, is there really that much nostalgia that people are going to go watch it because... I Like, I honestly think that The Rock being in the movie is more valuable than the name of the movie uh, being yeah, Rampage. Probably. My, my, I mean? my working theory is that these uh, these franchises, these names, mm-hmm. these licensing agreements are just sold in big blocks now. Like, for the shitty ones, like subprime loans were before the housing bubble collapsed. Yeah. And uh, whatever wasn't shoved into pixels, they're just spinning off now. Yeah, yeah where's my fucking Millipede movie? <laughs> no, but... Uh, I want a Joust movie. My theory, actually, Joust would be That'd a be sick hype. movie. Gritty reboot. I, I could see it happening. The gritty reboot of Joust is just Killer Queen. We should we should do a yeah. little podcast sometime, and we're just bored, like 20, 30 minutes, where we just take random game licenses and just try to make Hollywood blockbusters out of them. That'd be great. That'd be fucking great. Cool movie. I don't have, I don't, yeah, I don't have the mental capacity <laughs> to do it now, but I think we can get some fire going. I think that this was a product of the writer's strike that they were afraid of happening. Much that, like the last one when we got shit like the fucking A-Team. Yeah, that could very well be. Yeah. It does make sense. I mean, like, I wouldn't be surprised if they're sold in a big block as, hey, here's a bunch of turnkey scripts that wouldn't require much work to put on the screen. Yeah, basically. As uh, far uh, as writing goes. Rampage, those, that's a cheap license. Oh, what, just make a big fucking shit, shit-ass fucking Godzilla movie, big fucking deal. Yeah, here are movies that don't require scripts because it's literally just a concept. Like, yeah. Well, or the, the concept is a trope. And all we're doing is giving you a name that people recognize. So you put that name on that trope, and there's your movie. You can have a scab writer do it up and then claim that the janitor wrote it to skirt the fact that you're supposed to have all your writing done through the union. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's probably what this will be. The or, like, you can have a... someone shit out a script. Literally. Spider-Man and then just have it, in, like, yeah, have it on back burner and then use it when you need it. The Rock's fucking weird, because The Rock is a very talented actor. But it's also the kind of thing where you know what you're going to get yourself into when you see a Rock movie. Rock very rarely gets really good roles. His best role 
was in that one Disney Channel TV show. Didn't he show up in an episode of iCarly or something? iCarly was Nickelodeon, sir. How dare you? Oh, yeah. I, yeah I'm not too familiar with the deep iCarly lore, but we could <laughs> my, probably my find the uh, iCarly wiki. My sister spent like four hours one day when I was there reading an iCarly fan fiction, and I asked her who fucked who, and she was like, there was no fucking in it. What's, What's the, the point? point? That's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of fan fictions and fan creations. Oh, Christ. Oh, there was some news that came, came through recently. Um, Sonic Forces is going to have... Okay, Sonic Forces is an upcoming Sonic video game. The game is coming out um, this holiday season, and it was recently revealed that there's going to be a character creation tool in the game. Um, essentially, you can choose... Like, you can create your own character to play as Your persona. Yeah, exactly. And so they've got, like, a few different animals you can pick from. Uh, you can customize your boots and gloves and glasses. Boots and pants. And um, essentially, yeah, like, I felt like this was something that we had to talk about. I felt, I'm surprised this is something that hasn't been done already. That's how I feel about it. Now, I don't have a Sonic OC. <laughs> you, I've you heard don't? some fucking brilliant ones on that, with that fucking Cool Games Inc. podcast. And I don't think I can top mm-hmm. them, but... Cold Steel the Hedgehog is still my favorite. <laughs> right? Uh, Sonichu, always my favorite. <laughs> That's what it's, we're going to do. We're going to create all of the ones that we like that we've seen on the internet. I, I feel like this is a thing that, why the fuck didn't they do this sooner? Yeah. And now uh, I've, been, I've been following a little bit of news on this, and basically every one of the guys that makes their little YouTube talking over the trailer repeatedly videos, oh, you can create your own OC, you can create your own OC, finally, finally, finally. You can create what? Your OC, oh, original oh, OC. character. I'm more curious about... Now, this is a different style of gameplay. Yeah. Now, obviously, you know, it's just the usual. We have to put multiple Sonic characters in, give you some whatever. How customizable is this going to be? Yeah, that's my question. There's a, there's a couple of screens in the trailer that show, like, a bunch of different types of gloves with a bunch of different colors, a bunch of, di- like, same for the boots. So uh, that's my question. I want to know how many different species of animal you can be. There's, like, a bunny, a cat, a fox... Fuck all that shit. Yeah. I want Fat Scientist Creator 2017. I want to create my own Fat Scientist. Be your own I want to customize what level of diabetes he has. I want to customize what level of alcoholism he has to resort to by getting beaten by the OC Sonic characters. I, um... Actually, I think that would be a fun game to create. Like a Mean Bean Machine kind of thing, where you just have your Fat Scientist and you have to come up with some harebrained fucking stupid-ass scheme. <laughs> and you can literally have a creation tool to create your boss vehicle. Oh, that'd that would be, be great. a fun fucking thing. But like, like nuts the, and bolts. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, but with, like, you know, like the incredible Nick. machine. Uh, yeah. The incredible murder machine. What I um, because they tell you, you know it's a gadget-based character. We only see a little bit of gameplay. I've heard conflicting stories about whether your race or the things you attach to your character change how your character plays. Mm-hmm. I hope that's true. Because I really do like this. It finally makes sense why they're calling the fucking game Sonic Forces. If they go forward with this and they don't pull a Sega. Yeah. If this is a type of thing where it has some kind of a community aspect. Yeah. And you're all literally creating your own personas. And it's got some kind of an online aspect where you're basically creating your freedom fighters, your resistance uh, against robots. Furry Nick. Race War uh, Simulator 2017. Cool. Yeah, I, I see where you're going. That actually is pretty cool. Here's my... Okay, so... I have a few different things to say. One, I think this is like the coolest thing they've done in a Sonic game in a while. What's, it's long overdue. It is. What's so funny is like, it's it's the perfect example of a video game company finally acknowledging its fan base and what they're into. 
Because, like, everyone that was a fan of Sonic characters as kids, they drew Sonic, and then they're like, man, I wanted to have sunglasses. Or some, something, I something never like did. Okay, well, you're not a true Sonic fan, then. I'm I, fine with that. I used exactly. to, I used That's exactly to, what I'm saying. I used to write stories where Sonic and Mario and Mega Man and all these dudes had to team up. Yeah, exactly. Like, right. we all did it. We just don't want to admit it, Frank. Yeah. <laughs> you had the Sonic Club. Don't even fucking get started. Yeah, exactly. I never had my own OC. No, you didn't have your own OC. I didn't have one either, but you hit out under a slide and talked oh, about yeah, Sonic Oh, yeah, I know. I was, was a like, Sonic fan, boy. Don't so get me wrong. This is appealing to the babies that don't know any better and the people like us who were children once. Yeah. So, okay. So, it definitely appeals to the younger generation of Sonic fans, if there is such a thing. I think they're dying out pretty quickly. To, uh, I want to... I want to like this game, but I'm like 99% sure that when it comes out, it's just going to be the same crap gameplay that we've come to well, expect. Well, it looks Sonic like games. Generations. Everybody's afraid of that. You've got your classic Sonic crutch. Mm-hmm. You've got your boost mechanic modern Sonic that flies off in outer space and glitches through walls. Mm-hmm. And then you've got this. Yeah. If they really, really push this thing, and this is the focus of the game, and the other shit is just there because they're afraid it won't yeah. work, then that's fine. Yeah. So I guess... For me, I like the character creation. I think it shows a level of acknowledgement of your fans. Oh, yeah, and, like, honestly, we have to acknowledge the series that kind of realized they should have done this first. Fire Emblem? No. Oh. <laughs> Gundam Breaker. All y'all motherfuckers thought I was going to say Xenoverse, but fuck you. <laughs> I was just going to say WWF Attitude. Yeah, there you go. I don't know, not not even Gundam Breaker. I feel like Dragon Ball Z Universe being as successful as it was because honestly, the only reason I wanted to buy that game was to make a stupid ass Dragon Ball Z character because yeah. I totally did that. Yeah. Friend of the site, Kyle, uh, Captain Communist. Yeah. First thing he did was make John Cena and go online. Oh, of course. <laughs> First fucking thing he did. Well, but you wouldn't be able to match with anyone because they can't see him, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um. So, like the character creation tool, I think that's a cool thing. But it's going to be a Sonic game, and the only Sonic game I'm looking forward to is Sonic Mania. And I, I mean, Sonic Mania looks like a credible game. Yeah, That's the problem: is that Sonic Mania makes this look not as good. Mm-hmm. But we don't know enough about this yet. I'm really hoping that they're not just going to give us another ho hum Sonic game with a gimmick attached. Right. Yeah, I guess. That's my problem, is I've never really enjoyed any of the 3D Sonic games, so it's probably not yeah. going to be a game for me. But honestly, just having a character creation tool is something that might make me pick up the game. That way I can just make stupid characters, take pictures of them, and make memes. Like, I would I would buy the game just for I that. I hope you can get real dumb with it. I hope I'm able to edit proportions and shit. I hope that it's not attached to loot drops. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> we were just bitching about a gear system, and now we're all hyped for a gear system. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that I can, like, duct tape a button down and have Mitsurugi stab Patroclus 73,000 times overnight to unlock all the gear in Oh, the Soul Calibur 5 method. Yeah. I want to see more, and they're not going to show us more. And the yeah. thing that really scares me and makes me apprehensive is that, again, I don't like the 3D Sonic games very much. I'm a Sonic Heroes apologist for all the wrong reasons we've mentioned before. Yeah. Um, I feel like uh, and everybody else has said it on the internet already, all the, all the real Sonic fans, the, all the big yiffers. <laughs> including, uh, including Big Yiffer. Big Yiffer McGee, Big Billy. <laughs> XX Big Yiffer XX. <laughs> The uh, Sonic uh, Sega is having an identity crisis with Sonic. Mm-hmm. They keep they keep shoehorning um, classic Sonic in because they're scared. 
Mm-hmm. They need that to rely on. Well, that worked. People like the classic Sonic. Keep that around. Yeah. That's why this character even looks like it plays more like a classic Sonic thing, a 2D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't fuck with the 3D mechanics, but they're afraid to let go of the 3D mechanics. Mm-hmm. Because that's what they put all their eggs in that basket since Sonic Adventure. Yeah, they put they put all their chow eggs in that garden. All their um, egg men in that one. Egg holder. Yeah, all the uh, in the carton. So, <laughs> I guess another important thing I need to say is a game doesn't have to be good to be fun. So, if the character creation aspect is fun and there's some sort of online element that's fun, like, you know, playing with other characters, like, that's totally cool. The game can be bad and still be fun. Okay, that brings I'll, me I'll, back I'll to Gundam Breaker. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Gundam Breaker is 100% mindless garbage. It's literally Dynasty Warriors level of complexity. Maybe a little more, maybe a little less, their combos, whatever. But, you know, unlocking all the fucking Gundam parts and kitbashing a bunch of shit and if finding it, out what's in the game, that's the fun part. If it keeps yeah. you busy and you're enjoying yourself, that's fine. Yeah. That's why I can still play Sonic Heroes, but I have trouble touching other Sonic games. Yeah. It's quick, it's snappy, I could pick it up, I could run with it and play it. Hmm. Um, funnily enough, though, if we were in their shoes, how would we make a playable Sonic game? Oh, man, I... I can go on and on about my perfect Sonic game. And I don't know if I want to get into it right now, but essentially I would... Okay, so my problem with all the 3D Sonic games... I'd I'd want to see a good 3D Sonic game. My current problem with all the 3D Sonic games is I don't like the way Sonic controls in 3D. Um, I would much rather see something closer to a racing game. My favorite uh, 3D Sonic game is Sonic R because I really enjoy the sense of building speed in that game, and also the soundtrack is amazing. And I think it'd be cool to see something like that, except instead of a racing game, it's just a platformer that you run through. Kind of like these newer Sonic games since Sonic Unleashed have tried this thing called the boost system, where basically the problem that people are complaining about is that you have no control over Sonic now. It's just a matter of running forward and boosting. Okay. How can we make that more intelligent, right? Right, yeah. And I think in order to do that, you have to add a level of control to the game that actually matters. Um, In Sonic R, your racing line when you're running around corners actually matters on how fast you're getting around the track. And I'd like to see elements like that implemented in a 3D Sonic game. Um, And If he controlled more like a race car. Exactly. Because that was actually, um, we had we talked about this a couple weeks ago. We did, yeah. And at first I was like, that's stupid. And the more I thought about it, the more brilliant I thought it was. <laughs> like, I was up last night staring at the ceiling thinking about this is fucking really? sounds. That's when you were like, let's talk about this game. I was like, oh, fuck, yeah. Because I'm thinking, okay, we got to get rid of holding up to run. Give him a fucking throttle. Yeah. You, pull, you hold the trigger down. That's what makes Sonic run. You give him a button for brakes. Yeah, you want an analog run input, though. You know what I mean? Like, you know the trigger on the GameCube controller? Like, mm-hmm. the R on GameCube? Like, you want something, or any trigger on or any literally controller. literally any trigger yeah. ever that's pedal. better than that Exactly. You want, you want an acceleration where you have degrees of control over it, because when you get degrees of control, you can play a game on a more precise level. You know, if you're only applying, you know, 10% throttle in this one place because you have to corner faster versus 100% when you're on the straights, getting on and off the throttle at certain points um, adds a level of gameplay, a level of control that can be a little bit more rewarding than just holding forward all the time and pressing the A button to jump at specific times. Like, that's not as engaging to me. As a as a racing game like uh, Sonic R or like Forza Motorsport Gran Turismo. So you take your face buttons, 
So you get your PlayStation controller. Mm-hmm. X is to jump. Yeah. Circle is a boost. Yeah, sure. And square is like a slide, like a power, like an e-brake, like a power slide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as you're running and you're going, you're turning left and right to, you know, to start turning like a car. Yeah, you're, you're going around corners, yeah. you're dodging obstacles, spikes can pop up and you have to jump over the spikes. All of the things that you come to expect from a Sonic game, but you're in a different environment. Like the, the gameplay physics are going to control a little bit more like a, like a racing game. The part that I thought was cool about it was the idea that it's all time attack based. And it's all about how fast you get through the level. Yeah, that would be that would be what keeps you coming back to the game. Once you have these levels of varying control, you can actually do corners faster. And since it's not a you did it right or you did it wrong, you know, there are varying levels of, oh, you took this corner at, you know, 100 miles an hour, but this person did it at 105. Where do you have to change your braking point or your turning point to take it at that speed? And, and you could have this big, like, if you add in the fact that we were talking about homing attack when we were talk when mm-hmm. we talked about last. Now, if you revamp that to just make it like a double jump where you could aim it and hit enemies and stuff, mm-hmm. you could suddenly have these big sprawling levels where at first you're only able to get like a time that's not that great, but as you discover the different routes that you can take through the level, you can make your time better, and that'd be really cool. Right? Yeah, and so that would keep. Th- okay, so. On the one hand, I think this game on its surface would appeal more to old-school Sonic fans that are looking for a game they can really sink their teeth into, because you'd be delivering an experience that does have a lot of replayability if you're focused on like setting record times and things like that. You know weirdly what it reminds me of? What's that? Katamari Damacy. Yeah, oh, definitely. I wasn't Ka- thinking that. That's interesting, though. Yeah. Because Ka- like, Katamari Damacy, it's a game like where... You know, you can only create a ball that's this big if you're not good at it, but if you know where to go in the level and know what you can grab, mm-hmm. you can find all the secret shit, and you can, like, you know, find the alternate paths, find where you can go to get a bigger ball. Yeah, made and up. building that ball is a very, um, it, you don't see numbers, you know what I mean? You just see the ball getting bigger. Oh, well, you see numbers. I was Never thinking mind. more like F-Zero. yeah. You're running on this track. This track has its loops. It has its turns. It's about your handling. Mm-hmm. Now, say you got your jump. You give you a double jump just in case you fly off the track by accident or if you have to jump to a higher platform just so you have more air control with your throttle. Yeah. Because, you know, obviously a throttle and a brake is not the best way to control where you're jumping. That's why you give that double jump. You got your boost for when you're on the ground. You got your skit, you know, your, your e-brake for your corners. If you jump and hit the e-brake button, you smash back down to the ground so you don't go flying into outer space. You know, in case you make a jump wrong or you mm-hmm. need to land on a precise platform and keep your speed. You jump and hit the boost button, that's your homing attack. You have different combinations of hitting those three buttons while you're holding down the run button. Right, yeah. And I think that's where it could be interesting. You'd have a lot of control without having to worry about where what you're doing. It's just all about mastering that control. Yeah. You'd have to make sure that you're wearing the right shoes if you need to do a wet lap. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, if we have our way with the fucking Fursona creator, maybe you do have different tread on your sneakers. Yeah. I think it would be a very interesting thing, because Sonic is all about speed, but not sacrificing control to have that speed, which is yeah. the problem a lot of these games are having. Yeah, exactly. But that's the problem. Over at Sonic Team, they think speed is all about putting flashy stuff on the screen and making the character run across the screen as fast as possible. But really, speed isn't about that. Speed is about control. Like, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. You know what I mean? And no, you guys haven't seen Sniper, the shooter, Mark Wahlberg. No, anyway. I hate that movie. What? I hate that movie. Okay. Anyway, like, um, it's all about having like speed is all about being on the edge. And uh, anyway, 
Well, like you're you're say like you take like a speed two cruise control. <laughs> not as good as the first one. Uh, I believe that the man that was filming Speed Two had a seizure with a camera <laughs> in his hand. That was the originator of Shaky Cam. And Sandra Bullock looked like she got stung by a bee before that film. She looked <laughs> bloated. No Keanu Reeves either. Fuck that movie. I get it. Oh, now it's in a boat. But no. But uh, yeah, because like a lot of the problems you look at, like say Shadow the Hedgehog mm-hmm. or Sonic Adventure, you can run as fast as you fucking want. But if you're flying to your death or you're smashing into things, you're mm-hmm. not going fast. Right, Shadow yeah. the Hedgehog's a special case because in addition to those problems, it also had 73 other problems that are really interesting to document. Yeah. I I think that Shadow the Hedgehog, one of my big problems with that game, and all 3D Sonic games in general, is that you're running along this track, but turn like when you turn left and right, your character, it, you don't feel like your character connected to the ground at all. You know what I mean? You always feel like you're sliding around. Like, it's a very slidey feeling. They're just rolling around at the speed of sound. Exactly. And, like, I understand they've got places to go, but at the same time... they got to follow make... that rainbow. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't make for a good game, either. My uh, problem with that control scheme... I feel like a lot of the 3D Sonic games, at least the ones that I've played... Granted, I haven't played some of the more recent ones, but... They're trying to be Mario 64. Yes, the control scheme is trying to be Mario 64, yet still have speed, which doesn't work, because you end up flying off the stage. And the stage is designed to basically be a straight line. Yeah. And when they're not a straight line, they're they're problematic. They're fucked. So it's either boring or frustrating, is the problem I feel with 3D Sonic. Yeah. Also, they need to put Chow Gardens back in the game. They should just make a Chow Garden app at this point. Oh, man. Like they did for Triple Triad. They can release it right next to my Digimon app. Or not mine, but they need to make it. Not Sega, but Namco. Bandai. Namco Bandai needs to make a Gundam fighting game based on the Soul Calibur engine. As While we're just tossing out wishes. I'd like a Star Wars game on that engine, actually. Actually, yeah, no, fuck what I said. They, we already that? have Gundam Versus. That's a good fighting <laughs> I mean, game. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Masters of Tarascasai was not on the Soul Calvary. Well, well, we're just saying stupid, baseless shit for fun. Is anybody else angry that you could not use lightsabers as a fighting style when you created a character? It's yes, that really bugged People me. People have hacked up uh, save files of four to where you could do that. Hmm. Let's get our hands on that. <laughs> have to find it. I always thought I always liked Star Killer's design. <laughs> He's pretty cool. He's a pretty cool the, guy. The, uh, the Apprentice. Yeah. Because <laughs> they didn't even name him yet when they stuffed him in that fucking no. game. He has <laughs> the most annoying AI to fight. I'm on the, on the topic of hacking things up. Yeah. Was that was that good? Was that a good one? Was that sure. bad? Sure. Yeah. Hacking things up, cutting yeah. things out. You got to stick the landing. Come on. Okay. Um, I've, I'm not very good at Top Gun. Not to, yeah, you know, just crash. I always lose a life by the time I beat that level. <laughs> You never beat that level. Nobody lands the plane in Top Gun. Nobody beats the Wiz. That's all I got. uh, (laughs) MC12 Goodland Goodwood sent 100. Hitman. A game that was surprisingly good for all the shit that we talked about it last year. Hitman, uh, the the only reverse hype train I've ever experienced. The game that made me eat my hat. Delicious hat. No longer part of Square Enix. Well, IO Interactive and presumably the Hitman franchise, no longer part of Square Enix, even after, you know, Hitman 2016's great showing as a video game that had an interesting model of payment and, 
you know, had really, really cool community interaction for a game that is about a single solitary dude killing people. That was a game that had an interesting, like, setup where you could take different routes through it and play the game in various ways, kind of like what we were talking about. Yeah, I thought that's, that's where a lot of the replayability in Hitman comes in from, is like, uh, yeah, you can go loud, you can go quiet, but you can also, like, do a bunch of different stuff in the game. It's like, oh, I'm going to poison the food this time, or I'm going to do this or do that. Drop the chandelier. Oh, exactly. This, this is a game that when we streamed it, we only had one fucking map. Yeah. And yeah. We streamed this game for like nine hours total and between we, our three different yeah, sessions. Yeah. Constantly amused and having fun. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That game's great. I'm, I'm going to get the other shit so we can play it. It's a game that knew what it was fucking doing. Yeah. I don't know why Square would pull this. I'm very curious. Uh, my big question is who owns Hitman now? Like, is it IO Interactive or is it Squeenix? Well, what happened, a little backstory, is uh, Square Enix bought IDOS uh, of Tomb Raider fame. Mm-hmm. IDOS owned IO Interactive. Uh, I don't think anyone's license is transferred when the purchasing happened. Okay. Um, I mean, we, we also got to give IO Interactive some shit because the other game franchise that they are most known for is Kane and Lynch. Yeah, that's the one with the game. It's the game that was have. that was and the original Gersman Gate. Uh, that is the we did a fantastic video where we played Cannon Lynch one and two earnestly. On the cover, there's a guy with a bandage on his nose. Yes, uh, yeah. yeah, that's all I know about the game. I suggest everybody goes to our YouTube channel and they look up this. Uh, this oh, video and Mini over. Ninjas. I never played uh, Mini Ninjas. Mini Ninjas was actually pretty good. I watched Steven play a bunch of it. I heard it was good, but yeah, we played Cannon Lynch and Cannon Lynch two. Definitely check that video out. It'll explain okay. everything. They're not good. And, but... uh, <laughs> I mean, what, what do you do from here? Now, suppose, now, I'm guessing that what's going to happen is Squarenix. I just like fucking their name up, I know. It sounds like a Pokemon. Squeenix. Yeah. They're probably going to get with Hitman. It's going to be their thing. I don't know what they're going to do with it after that. Probably I hope nothing not. great. Um, IO, though, theoretically, I'm feeling they could just make a murder guy game. They could make a game called World of Assassination. Yeah, same exact premise. I think there should be assass- assassination world. No, the world. Well, no, too no big. like the tagline of the Hitman game that was good was "Enter a world of assassination." Oh, gotcha. So, but I think the world is too big. Like you'd want to make it on a sc- smaller scale. So instead of assassination world, maybe like just a classroom. So it's assassination classroom. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Great, thanks. The uh, have you ever played? And I, I hate to bring this up. But Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. You ever see the multiplayer in that? I've seen the multiplayer. I haven't played the multiplayer only thing I liked about the game. I actually went out and bought a copy of it because of that. Really? But imagine Hitman on a scale like that. Where with, multi- with like online multiplayer? You all go, you all create your own fucking Hitman persona. Your own persona? I don't know if he... Wouldn't that be some shit, actually? Can, can we get that crossover? <laughs> Hitman persona? You, you get all your fucking... You get your gadgets, you got your speed boots. Nice. And you murder Eggman. <laughs> but <laughs> you, uh, you create your own Hitman from scratch... And you build a reputation uh-huh. out in the world where there are other people doing the same thing. You can start creating enemies. You can start making rivals. This is this is starting Hitman to sound, rivals. This is starting to sound a lot like real life. Well, that's what I video mean, games are. Games again. push for realism. I mean, Shenmue. <laughs> Get home from driving a forklift for twelve I hours think, to pay your rent. I think it would be cool. Play if darts you had, for six hours at the bar. <laughs> I think it would be cool if you had four motherfuckers in the same level with the same target. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I could imagine it being like, oh, fucking Frank got Helmet Kruger again. <laughs> I'm going to get this motherfucker one day, even if I have to just sabotage him. 
I make a deal with Ian. Ian, you gotta help me get Frank, otherwise he's gonna keep fucking the both of us over. And then you kill that guy, but you have to exit the level. Um, or uh, and if you can't exit the level without getting killed, then that person wins. Kind of like, kind of like what they did in Kane and Lynch with the multiplayer at the end of it. Stop! Stop! <laughs> stop giving praise to that game. <laughs> it had some great fucking K-pop. Did it? Shit! Really? Now I'm fucking doing it. Stop. Like the uh, the Predator system in um, not Aragorn's quest. Um, fucking Shadow of Mordor. Thank you, Batman with Lord of the Rings. Batman, Aragorn's Quest. That kind of thing, though, where it's like, you know... Oh, that'd be hype. The Nemesis system, that's what it was, not the Predator yeah. system, right? Yeah, yeah, the Nemesis system. What the fuck is the Predator system? I don't know. Alien vs. Predator? Side note, um, Shadow of Mordor 2, uh, the, the Nemesis system is expanded to where you have ally systems, and yeah. someone asked, does that mean that you can romance an orc? Is there gay orc, sec- orc sex? And... The guys who were making the game were like, uh, we're not going to say. <laughs> You're like, this isn't The Witcher. Why are, why are you... Uh... Ah, The Witcher. Speaking of The Witcher, you know they're making a TV series? I'm just kidding. We're not on that topic. That's cool. I mean, they are. Yeah, they are. That game had the best fucking DRM I've ever heard, by the way. None? No, it had DRM. It had some good-ass DRM. Did it? It snuck it in, and it made you feel like a creeper. And it got it got a lot of the fucking Let's Players. Wait, what? Check this shit out, right? Okay. There's a scene in the game where you romance some chick and you fuck her on a horse. Okay. If the th- Witcher if, 3? If you, I believe so, yes. If you pirate that game, uh-huh. that chick becomes an old, saggy-ass, Mrs. Claus-looking, baggy old lady. Holy shit. <laughs> they don't tell you. They just, that's, that's what happens. That's amazing. They swap the model out. So you're fucking Let's Play, like, you're streaming this game. Uh-huh. You get to that scene, everybody's waiting for the sex scene, you're immediately called out as being a pirate. Wow. In the most heinous way possible. That's amazing. (laughs) (sighs) But there was no DRM. I think you could just download the game and play it, though, right? You could, if you wanted to be an old lady fucker. Yeah, yeah. Who doesn't? I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Our last item of news for the day. There's a new entrant in what is slowly turning into... The, the future of fight. combat. The G Gundam. The Gundam the fight. fight. <laughs> Robot Jocks 2017. We China had Kuratas from Japan. We had the Mark III from the US. Now we have the Monkey King from China. It looks like shit. It looks like shit. It looks a lot like a Zoid. It, yeah, it looks like. What was the gorilla one? Harambe. <laughs> Iron Kong? Yeah, Iron Kong, yes. It looks like an Iron Kong unit, which was the favorite unit of Harry Champ, and everyone hates him. Oh, yeah, man. I forgot that I hated him. Yeah, everyone hates Harry Champ. Such a, He was so full of himself, right? Yeah. 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 He thought he was so great. Oh, well, because he had money. That's Yeah, exactly. But we, we proved with BitCloud that if you had heart and a Zoid of dubious origin... <laughs> with three different armor suits, with, with like three different armor customizations that you can switch out during a, battles. A concept of Gundam Seed would later steal. <laughs> with a unicorn? No, no, no. Gundam Seed with the uh, Ale Strike, Sword Strike, and Launcher Strike. Okay, okay. But didn't Unicorn have different things as well? No. Unicorn just had armor. The Ale Strike was cool. Strike Gundam was which cool. Which was fucking ridiculous. Yeah. How much stupid shit can I hang off of my model kit? Yeah. Megabots is deciding whether or not China can throw their hat into this or how to do it. Because I remember this, the whole point of this thing originally was they were trying to build a robot fighting league. Who's Megabots? The league. 
Okay, so there's a giant robot fighting league. They're trying yeah, to get one of the Megabots ground. are the is the U.S. team and also the organizers. My problem with Megabots is it sounds too similar to Megablocks. It also sounds pretty similar to Metabots. Yeah. And Metabots. The thing they're trying to decide is whether it's going to be a free for all or whether, after they whoop Japan's ass, they're just going to go and whoop China's ass. I still want to know when that Korean mech gets entered. I can't wait. What kind of weapons do these things have? Um, Mark III has a giant fucking chainsaw that they call the Ripsaw. Okay. Uh, let's see what the Monkey King's got. It probably just has its fists, right? I want one of them to have a flamethrower. It's got a mono eye. Would a flame weapon be effective against robots? I don't know, but it'll look cool. It's got a staff? Or a big metal pipe. Well, yeah. It's got that Mike Hagar. Yeah. Great metal. Shit, we gotta watch Robot Jocks, guys. Yeah, I'll see you in hell. (laughs) (laughs) So how are they gonna fight? Like, is they going to a a ring? They are going to be piloted, and they are going to beat the shit out of each other. Piloted from people inside? Uh Uh-huh. No. Yeah. So that didn't tell us anything. No. I believe the beginning of the article will show us what the weapons are, or tell us at least. Who gives a fuck? Fuck you, Chainsaw. They're not going to have guns and missiles and shit. They're just going to be punching the shit out of each other with BattleBots-esque weapons. But I saw Pacific Rim, and all I need is a good elbow rocket. Yeah. I just want robots to beat the shit out of each other. We are going to have to do a fucking podcast or live commentary or something when this happens. Oh, hell yeah. We have to. We've waited our whole lives for this kind of thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well... On that note, we've reached the point in the show where I once again ask you guys to help us out. If uh, if you like the show, please spread the word. It's not what you're seeing, yo. It's what you heard. I don't know what rap song that's from. I can't remember. You should probably stop. <laughs> should I? Fuck what you heard. It's what you're hearing. There we go. DMX. Yeah. Earl Simmons, Street Poet. Hashtag Brother Show. I was referencing a fucking Baja Men song. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to help us out, please uh, tell your friends about the show. Um, we're trying to earnestly spread the word, get more, get more listens, get more ears on the product, get more community participation. If you have anything that you want to tell us about what we got wrong, what we got right, or something cool that we weren't aware of, please hit us up on Twitter at Robot Boombox, Facebook.com slash Robot Boombox, D-O-T-C-O-M. Got a YouTube going, youtube.com slash robotboombox.dotcom. Our Twitch is twitch.tv slash robotboombox. We got streams every Friday at 7. Every Friday at 7 Eastern Standard Time. Yes. I'm I'm trying to put a really cool show together. It's not just going to be some dork in front of a webcam unless it's the middle of the night and I'm doing it myself. It's going to be several dorks in front of several webcams. Every Friday we're putting a nice show together. I think you guys will really like it. Come in, troll our chat, tell us how you feel, tell us what you think, play with the stupid bot shit I'm implementing, let us know what's working, let us know what's not working. It's going to be a good time. Oh, yeah. Um, the first one that we put up was Modern Games Inspired by Id, where we played Strafe, which was a... Video game. Video game that tried to replicate Old Quake in a very poor fashion, and then Mega Man 8-Bit Deathmatch, which was literally a Doom 2 total conversion. You know, side note, I played on a TF2 server one time that was a Mega Man map. It was pretty weird. Mega Man's weird. Team Fortress 2 is weird. 
I but, can't, you know, we live in an era now where somebody could actually hack your fucking oven and set your house on fire. <laughs> and I, I, I can't get over that. Maybe I don't need Mad Scientist Creator as a video game. Maybe I need Mad Scientist Creator in real life. Follow your dreams. And on that note, that's going to be it for us this week, guys. We'll catch you later. <laughs> <laughs>